Or whenever we preached about fornication and adultery, we were only talking about a man and a woman. But today, you and I know that somebody even said he's sociosexual. We have all kinds of sexuality abounding and staring at us. So quickly, let's look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And this was a prophetic word through the prophet Daniel. He said, and in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Say, set up a kingdom. Hallelujah. No matter the authority the enemy has put in place, our God has a kingdom. He said, and in the the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. So when we talk about being kingdom minded, we said being kingdom minded does not suggest that we should not think and plan for our lives, but rather make our commitment to the things of God top priority. Hallelujah. So we are saying that to be a kingdom minded born again Christian, it means the things of God is your priority. Say priority. The word priority simply means it's the top on your list. It's the top on your list. Hallelujah. In every option that we have to choose from, the kingdom should be our priority. And we establish the fact that God is a relationship-minded person. That is why in the book of Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says when he desired to form man, he said, let us. And then when they made man, the Bible says in chapter 2 verse 8, that the Lord God planted a garden eastward of Eden, which is a whole message on its own. Simply put, that God deposited or placed a man in a place where there was going to be a beginning. The word east stands for rising. Hallelujah. So he said, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And verse 15, the Bible says that the Lord God planted the man there and said, this is the garden I have given you. Dress it and keep it. In fact, it's kept me last Wednesday. But the revelation here in these two verses of scripture, verse 8 and verse 15, talks about the fact that no matter how busy your job demands, you must put God first. God put his relationship with us first before he gave us a job. Nothing should take the place of God. Like, can we go to verse 8 quickly, please? Verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, where, where he had planted the garden. It was his very dwelling. And then, so, fellowship is, should be your priority before your job. When whatever you do comes before your relationship with God, it's a wrong order. You are not a kingdom-minded person. Am I communicating? So let's now jump to verse 15, the same chapter 2 of Genesis. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and what? Keep it. Fellowship before your work. And that, but we said that man, when we fast forward to chapter 3, God clearly was fellowshipping with man. I believe we saw that. 
chapter 3, verse 8. But the Bible says that when man had disobeyed God, he started hiding from God. He started running. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Watch this word. When we start our TV and radio program, that shall be the title. In the cool of the day. And we will heap the world with revelations. Oh boy. They can't carry it. He said, in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? You see, when your friend knows where, for instance, you called somebody and said, let's meet here. Or let's go to our usual rendezvous. That's where we meet. And then suddenly you get there and this person is not there. It is natural to ask, where are you? Hallelujah. Am I communicating? It is natural to say, where are you? Let me give you a a practical example. You know, somebody like Auntie Becky, when I don't see her in church, I just need to call because if she won't come to church, she will ask for permission. She will talk about it. She will seek. So when you don't see her, you know, and she didn't ask for permission, it means there is something wrong. So when we close, I was even asking my, my armor bearer that, have you seen her and all that? What am I trying to say? When fellowship is broken, questions are asked. When people ask you questions, don't be angry. Answer them. Parents, when your children ask you questions, don't tell them to leave you alone. Now you and I know that if we don't answer the questions at home, somebody will answer it at school. Choose who you want to answer your child's question for you. I want to be because they believe in me. I paid their fees, so I should be the one to answer their questions. It says, then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. Suggest that I broke fellowship. But thankfully, the Bible says in John chapter 10 verse 10, that Jesus came to save us. Hallelujah. He said that for the thief cometh to steal, but to, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that thou mayest have life. Sorry, I'm quoting the King James. I have come that you may have life and have it what more abundantly. So we said that John chapter 10 verse 10 talks about the purpose of Jesus. Number one purpose was to redeem. Redeem the fellowship that was lost. I'm talking about being kingdom minded. Number two, we are talking about to save that which the enemy tempered with. And number three, we are talking about preservation. So we looked at being a kingdom minded and we, 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 I won't go further. I'm just going to today's message. We, we said that to be kingdom minded is to put the things of God first. Today, I want to talk about why must we, and okay, let me, let me just drive. Let me drive still so that I'll get you where I can go to the part two. And so we agreed that God restored fellowship through the coming of Jesus. And then we looked at Jesus' own statements. He said, verily I say unto you, except a man become born again, John chapter 3 verse 3, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And we are saying that the kingdom of heaven simply means a place of fellowship where we put God above all our interests. Hallelujah. So the connection or the reconnection of man to God is what we call soul winning or evangelism 
Hallelujah. Now, so now we have not even reached the point where we are looking at why God created us. Do you see what the devil did to us? Instead of pursuing why we were formed, the original idea of our creation, for the entire period of humanity, we are busy seeking for the restoration of the relationship. That's sad. Because life is not all about salvation. That is why it has become critical that we talk to you about these things. Because kingdom-minded entails other things. And we said that in Luke 4 verse 18, the clear ministry and mandate of Jesus was spelled out. Number one was to seek the restoration, but he didn't end there. He said after the restoration, prisoners must be set free. The blind must see. The broken must be mended. And then he said the acceptable year of the Lord which people are very uncomfortable with. Which talks about prosperity and wealth transfer. Hallelujah. So we must get things in their proper perspective so we can move on to other provisions God has for us. If you understand, give me an amen. amen. So we see Jesus coming and says that, look, I came to die. I have died and I rose. And I, even as I have risen, I'm giving you an assignment. And what was the assignment? He said, number one, we should win souls. Number two, we should disciple the souls. Number three, we should baptize them. And number four, we should what? Teach them. Why must we win souls? Tonight I want to talk about why must we win souls? Why must we win souls? Or why we must win souls? Daniel chapter 12, I have fallen in love with Daniel if you have noticed. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. It reads, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and... So the number one reason or the general reason why we must win souls to us as children of God, it makes us stars, say stars. In Ghana and in Africa, you see how interested we are in the word star. When we say somebody is a star, it means the person is popular. We call them celebs. We can have Christian celebrities. Your path to become a celebrity is to win souls. Your path to become a shining example is to win souls. That's the general thing. You must understand. Daniel said that those who turn many to righteousness, many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. That celebrity that will not die out. I remember two, three years ago, there was this young man who was doing highlight music. There's a conversation we we're going to have in this church. Should Christians listen to secular music? I'm, I'm bold. I will teach you on it. I will. Not today. And there was this young man I love so much. And, and, and I had one interview he, he, he made about three years ago. You know, his, his, his contemporary high life, I loved it. Because he was using everyday things like Odor Carpenter and, and all those things. He, you know, and then one day they interviewed him. And he said, oh... Oh boy, you have become a star. He said, yes. Then he said, what are you doing so that you won't fade? And I remember one statement he made. He said, I will never fade. That was a sad statement. But a year later, he has faded. I'm talking about Bisekedi. 
Where is he? He is still singing. But people like Kiddy and Kwame Eugene have overtaken him. Hey, what were you people doing with them on that page? <laughs> I'm a pastor. I watch news. And I watch all kinds of news. To know how to lead my people. Because I, I need to help you guys. Amen. And today his name is missing. In the last um, VGA I was, he was nowhere to be found. And even these boys, these boys, Miss V and Co, they are vanishing. But the Bible says that the star God makes of you when you win souls will remain forever. Who am I talking to? You see, you are excited about it, but it comes at a cost. It comes at a so he says that those who turn many to righteousness will become stars forever. So why must we win souls? Number one, because God commands it. Because God does what? I can't hear you. Because God does what? God commands it. It's a commandment. God commands it. Isn't it interesting that God wants you to be a star and yet he pushes you? It means that in the kingdom, the making of greatness is not to those who are willing. God wants everybody. That's why he makes it an instruction, a commandment to be followed. Hallelujah. Because God commands it. So winning is not an option. It is not a spiritual gift. It is not a church growth program. It is a clear, not subjected to conditions, unavoidable command of God. And when you read Matthew 28 verse 18, he said, I love the King James. He says, go ye. In Kumasi, I remember those days, there was this fellowship called go ye. Go ye. Go ye. Hallelujah. Number two, I'm giving you about 17 reasons why you must win souls. In fact, 18, the first one is you become stars. If you want to become a Christian star, win a soul. Not just a soul, win souls. You will become a star. Number two, so the, the, this one is number two. Number two, it is what? Because God commands it. Number three, because there is a place called hell. Hallelujah. Some of you have never seen that word hell in your Bible before. Today I'll take you there. There is a place called hell. Where is hell? Hell is a people, people who die without a relationship with Jesus. Where they go to? Your father died an alcoholic. Your brother, sister died an alcoholic. They never love God. They insult church people. They are burning in hell. That's the truth we must tell you. Point number three, because there is a place called hell. Psalm 9 verse 17. Let's read that. Psalm 9 verse 17. Psalm 9, Psalm 9 verse 17. There is a place called hell. It said the wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. Hallelujah. That's why we must do evangelism. Anytime you win a soul, you have changed their destination. 
When people lift up their hands and say, Jesus, we surrender to you. You are now our Lord and our Savior. You have transferred them from hell to heaven. Am I communicating? Isn't it fearful? That's why you must evangelize. Use every opportunity to evangelize to people. Number four, there, okay, number, let me give you this point. All of us deal with people every day who will spend eternity in heaven or in hell. We know the answer. We must tell them. Hallelujah. Don't worry when they say you are being judgmental. Tell people. It is not church. No church saves anybody. The church prepares us. You, you see, it is useless becoming part of a church when you are not born again. Because the church does not save anybody. The church is a vehicle to a destination. You can sit in a vehicle, get to the place and not have access. Am I communicating? So number four, we said that because, number three, we said there is a place called hell. And we said we all know our friends, our loved ones. Some of us people have become so close to us that we can't even talk to them about Jesus. Very dangerous. Let them know. And then I sat my security man down. And I said, you, today what is coming is for you. He said, Papa, Aden, Messiah, Nyehwe, and your uncle Jehovah said, oh, Papa, me quite sorry. I looked at him, the spirit of God just dropped into my spirit some funny things he's been doing. I said, now, I'm sorry now. Mm, 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 meh. Then he bowed his head. I said, well, I don't want your blood to stain my garment of righteousness. We will get there. Because the Bible says if you don't want them and they die, God will hold you responsible. See, this evangelism thing, it's not because we want to grow church. Of course, if we win people for God, in preparing them for him to come and take them, he will add them to us. But the, it is not the numbers. It is because destinations must change. Number four, because it is the only way to escape hell. When we witness to people and they receive Christ, it is the only way they will escape hell. Listen, you can't make it in God's presence with good works. With a good heart, with a kind heart, you must be born again. The Bible says there is only one mediator between God and the man, man and God, the man Jesus Christ. Everybody must receive Jesus. Some of us, we are privileged to be around people who look successful, so you think they don't need Jesus. Money can't buy you salvation. Tell them. Hallelujah. Number four, it is the only way to escape hell. And I said this. I said, imagine seeing someone about to be run over by a car and not trying to warn him or her. And that's what is happening. I remember there was a time around 97, 96, 97 when I woke up in the morning, I would just be crying. When I see people, I would just be crying. And that was a season of my life where I won souls. I mean, Pastor Doris will tell you, we'll just move my car, I won't go to work. We'll move my car and go to Manguase, go to Tosca. Today, do you know all those guys are in Central Gospel Church? You wonder why God is blessing me. I'm not special. I've paid my dues and I'm still paying it. Hallelujah. Listen, if you want God's attention, don't joke with soul winning. Because anytime you refuse to win a soul, you have kept people in hell and you are telling them there is no way out which is a lie. Then Christ has died in vain. Am I communicating? Yes, it is the only way to escape hell. 
Apart from the fact that there is hell, we must escape hell. And the only way to escape hell is when we preach to them to receive Jesus. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. Can we read that? Revelation 21 verse 8. There are 17 or 18 points. I'll give all of them to you. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, all, all, you shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Which is the second death. So when we don't preach for people to turn away from this kind of lifestyle, they will go to hell. And when they go to hell, you and I have something to answer. Number five, because it is the decent thing to do. Tell somebody it's the decent thing to do. How do you feel noticing that somebody is about to take rat medicine because they have headache? It's rat medicine medication for headache. So what is it to do? The decent thing to do is to say, please, what you are about to take or rather kill you. Don't take it. Winning souls is the decent thing for a decent believer to do. That's point number five. Abby? Because it is the decent thing to do. First Corinthians 15, 34. First Corinthians 15, verse 34. is the decent thing to do. First Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Some do not have the knowledge of God. Some people don't have it. They don't have the knowledge of God. We need to come to that place, my brothers and sisters. From today, let's make it part of our culture. Anybody, if a whole week passes by and you have not brought somebody to church, you are indecent. Mm, 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 mm. They are feeling uncomfortable. Number five or number six? Number six. Okay, hear this. Hear this. The five. I said it is not friendship or any other kind of decent behavior to withhold the gospel from those who need it. It is not friendship. And it is not decency. It is rather decent to share with them. Number six. Because there is a place called heaven. Hallelujah. People must move, change destinations. I remember when I went to school, I used to sleep in a certain room. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but thank God I'm not sleeping there again. There was a change. That change is possible. If you seek what is important to God. Am I communicating? I said, what a wonderful blessing it will be to be reunited with loved ones for eternity. My son once asked me, he said, Daddy, when we go to heaven, the two mummies, who will you love? Hey, Ivan. Ivan Demiko, we ask you. And I said, Ivan, the good news is that we will meet there as brothers and sisters. There will not be any marriage. 
And he said, yeah, okay. <laughs> the, the boy is looking for a place for his mother before we get there. And I said, oh, the Bible says that place, there is no marriage, there is no death. We will be one big family and we will rejoice. And Kabea has some home. Hey. Mumu binumu ya very spiritual and zini ameka numu ena papa jani na sanga mi unimbe bi amakuma o unim inti mi mejina ha em pretende unimbe bi amakuma o asemi ameka kri baby sam say what were you say what I'm saying is that the Lord knows where our heart is without controversy the foundation of the Lord stands sure and God knows those who are named after Him Hallelujah it's very important can you imagine that people have died on your street and you didn't even witness to them. And you are going to stand before God and God will ask you, this person's salvation was in your hand. What did you do about it? Number seven, Abi. Number six. We said because there is a place called heaven. That's number six or seven. Six. There is a place called heaven. What a wonderful blessing it will be. John 14, 1 to 4. We won't read. You know that. Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come back for you. And where I am, there you will be also. There is a place called heaven, and don't go alone. In fact, the thing with heaven is that, though it is an individual decision, God expects that what has been good to you, you will pass it on to others. So your inability to pass it on, he will charge you. Number seven. Because it glorifies God. Winning souls glorifies God. If you win a soul, you are giving God the glory. From today, stop singing. I was telling a man of God that there is, I believe, Satan is gradually shifting the agenda of the church. Everybody is talking about worship experience. Come on. Where is that craze coming from? And look at the money we spend in those activities. Even on stage lights alone. So much money which can win a lot of souls. And, and, when, and again, what, what are the others? <laughs> ah, I mean, it's okay for maybe after 40 days of a fast, we decide that the last day we are going to do an indoor prison. It's okay. We can't be enjoying ourselves when people are going to hell. Look at what is happening to us. It took somebody to say that, hey, our children are going to be taught comprehensive sexuality education before we wake up. And look at the way we were talking. Blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, this thing has been with us for a long time. I'm surprised people are not seeing it. This awareness has been going on. Somebody said, if you don't want anybody to brainwash your children, wash their brains as a parent. Wash their brains. If you don't want your children to be brainwashed. Wash their brains. Be the first person to teach your children about sex. Parents, are we here? Ajay, sit. Moses, down. Teach him about sex. Talk about it. Uh, no, what he knows is not the correct one. Teach him the correct one. When my son turned 14, I saw he was growing hair and all that. I put my shaving stick down. He will take it. 
So I, I decided to buy a new set of shaving sticks. And the day we went to the supermarket to buy it, I said, oh boy, now you have gotten to the puberty, puberty age. Master, when I he said, oh daddy, I said, hey. Oh daddy. I said, if you sleep with a woman, she will get pregnant. I am an African who will tell you you get pregnant. But I'm also a Christian. It's a sin. God will forgive you, but if you impregnate her, your school fees will take care of her. Say, oh, daddy, no, I want to go to school. I said, my friend, close your zip. Zip up. So I've told him, and I told him that, look, BPAG is teaching people there is contraceptive, there is condom, but it's in me pie. I told him. I told him, and we had it. We had that conversation. Back to back. I mean, and I noticed that because I was able to, you know, anything in that line, you know, he will just, recently I, I, I went to pick them in school and the boys were teasing him with one young lady. When we're coming, I picked the conversation. I didn't squeeze my face. Hey, it's fire, don't go there. It is not fire. It is not. See, this is what we have done as a nation. That's why we are where we are. We sat in this nation and told ourselves, on Thursdays and Mondays, spirits come to the forest. A few young men discovered that no spirits come. Look at what they've done to our forest. Illegal chainsaw. Because they entered the forest and noticed that no spirits come there. And even when, in our ignorance, when we heard the machines making noise, we said, oh, the spirits have come. The spirits have come. The spirits have come. Look at what we did to ourselves. The spirits have come. <laughs> the gods are working. Machines are making noise and we're saying spirits have come. Talk about it. I understand in our culture, we don't talk about these things. But you see, as a parent, one of the things I'm beginning to be scared of is that what you don't tell your children, somebody will tell them anyway. Not anyhow, anyway. I warn to you when they are told the wrong way. It glorifies God. John 15, 8. Right, that we won't read. Evangelism, glory, winning souls. See, I am deliberately shifting us from this place of just inviting to the place of making sure we take hold of the souls, bring them and establish them. Because the commandment Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, did not just say, speak to them about me. He said, make them disciples. Hallelujah. So it's not just speaking. And I told you on Sunday, I'm going to inspect your souls again. Those of you who just invited, it's an opportunity. And we're going to do this little convention of hope. This year, we are living the rest of our lives to win souls. We are changing people's destination. No more hell bound. They are heaven bound. Hallelujah. Number eight. Because it encourages other believers. When we win souls, other believers are encouraged. When I win people to Christ, bring them to church, or share their testimonies with others, believers are encouraged and uplifted. Iron sharpens iron. And my testimony encourages others to do the same. Iron sharpens iron. Your testimony encourages people to do the same. When we win souls, it encourages others. Number nine. It perpetuates truth for the next generation. This point is so important. 
it perpetuates, it, it re-establishes and echoes truth. One of the things we used to do with our children when they were much, much younger was to go to evangelism with them. Today, when Gloria and Ivan here, we are going for evangelism, they are like, she, we are in school, we want to go. Those of you, they have been in your groups before. You know what they can do. And that's the safest thing to do. Some of us, we are Christians, but our children, only thing they know is prayer. It perpetuates truth for the next generation. Wheat must be planted every season. It never regenerates itself. Wheat grow automatically. It takes nothing for wrong to prevail and evil to predominate. But it takes great effort for righteousness to be perpetuated. Did you get that? Wheat grow on their own. You don't need to make effort to grow wheat. You don't need effort to do wheat. But you need effort to be disciplined. Weeds, weeds grow naturally. Foolishness abounds naturally. But if we want to do what is right, we must be deliberate. That's what we are talking about. Because it perpetuates truth for the next generation. Am I communicating tonight? Number 10. Or 9. Number 10. So the scripture there is Matthew 13, 24 to 30. Talking about the parable of the wheat and tares. Do you notice that the farmer went to sow wheat? But wheat grew. Number 10. Because it demonstrates the power of God. Hallelujah. When you preach, the power of God is demonstrated. Romans 1 verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. It is the power of God. Oh glory. I'm excited up here. It's the power of God. Without this message of the gospel, where would we have been? Where would I have been? I am who I am because of this. I thank God for those who, who saw the need to speak to us about salvation. And I am not ashamed. Sometimes when you go on social media, people want you to think that you are shallow-minded to be a Christian. It's okay. Look, in God's own intention, he intended us not to know everything. It is the knowledge of everything that has brought us where we are. Don't eat from this fruit. What was the fruit? The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge of good. Don't eat a fruit and lose a garden. The garden is more important. Number 11. Because it is a timeless principle. Say timeless. It's a timeless principle. People before us evangelized. Long before us evangelized, and we are evangelizing, our children will evangelize, our children's children will evangelize till Jesus comes. As long as he tarries, we must continue to win souls. Proverbs 11.30, we won't read that. He that wins souls is wise. I love the Revised Standard Version. 
the second edition says that wise men win souls. Wise men win souls. Because it's a timeless activity. Number 11. 12. Number 12. Because we must face Jesus at the judgment seat, Yehoah, you will be asked, so Lord God will ask you, where are the souls you won? And that day, you can't do this. Um, God, God, as soon as you start your excuse, he will play the video. In fact, that video, I want to have it in my room. That TV screen. He will just tell you, you see, you were busy walking by the roadside and there were these souls waiting for you. He said, but God, then he will show you why. Listen, Romans 1 says, we are inexcusable. Church, let us stop running away from the excuses. Number 12, Abby. Because we must face the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11. That one I want us to read. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. We must face. Jesus at the judgment. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or... So, child of God, from today, open your eyes and be careful with your life because God will judge you. Verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your conscience. Charlie, the Bible says the judgment of God is a terrible one. Listen to the word he used. He said what? Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. No excuse. Number 13. Because we will be charged as guilty if we don't, we will be charged as guilty. Ezekiel. Not you, please. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 18. <laughs> Not Ezekiel. I'm talking about Ezekiel the prophet. Ezekiel. Number We will be charged as guilty. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. If you refuse to win souls, you are in trouble. Number 14. To impact and transform lives positively for Christ. We must win souls to impact and transform lives positively for Christ. Are we on the same page? Positively for Luke 10.20. You can read that on your own. Let's move on. I'm getting behind time. Luke chapter 10 verse 20. 
I'll repeat the 14. We must win souls to impact and transform lives positively for Christ. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, that is not that scripture. To impact and transform lives positively. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ is a new creation, behold, all things have gone away, and all things. So that takes us to number 15. So winning keeps your name in the book of life. That's the look. So winning keeps your name in the book of life. That's point number 15. You are saved. Your name was written. What will keep your name in that book is when you are winning souls. When was the last time you won a soul? Oh boy, be concerned. Your name may not be there. Nathaniel Bassi sang a song. Is your name is written in the book of life? Oh. I don't understand. I'm Ivan says that I don't like it. <laughs> change it, change it. Is your name in the book of life? Oh, if you want to be sure, after you get born again, be an addicted soul winner. Hallelujah. Soul winning keeps our names in the book of life. Luke 10, 20, we have read that. Number 15, 16, Number 16. So winning, we, we must win souls to increase the testimony of Jesus Christ, especially to the unbelieving world. To increase the testimony of Jesus. To increase the testimony of Jesus, not our own testimony. The testimony of Jesus. Say the testimony of Jesus. To increase the testimony of Jesus is a direct product of soul winning. If you win more souls, we are saying that it's true. Jesus came to die for us. It's true. He's going to prepare a place for us. It's true. He has shifted us from the place of death into eternal life. Number 17. The scripture there is Luke 4, 34. You can see it. So we are not reading. Please, let's go. Luke 4, 34. We are not reading. Number 17. Let's go to the point. To teach humanity to worship in spirit and in truth. Evangelism, winning souls, helps people to learn how to fellowship with God. To teach. Say to teach. To teach humanity to worship in spirit and in truth. Number John 4, 22 to 24. My last point, number 18. Reason why you must win souls. In fact, I wrote 66, but I've just given you 18. 66 reasons why you must win souls. So you see, if God can give you 66 reasons why you have to be a soul winner, what will be your excuse to cancel all? 
What will be your excuse? No excuse. No excuse. Number 18. Soul winners are representatives of or ambassadors of God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 For you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are ambassadors. And this ambassador is proper than being an ambassador of Ghana. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do we win souls? How? In fact, the, the act of soul winning has become so, so technical. Those days, you could just wink, walk to somebody and talk to them about Jesus and they will cry and lift up their hands and say they want. Ah! Ask chapter 2. Peter was just shouting, eh, 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 eh. And they say, what do we do to be saved? In fact, that one should tell you. The question they asked should tell you. They didn't hear what he said. 3,000. But today, look at what we are watching on TV. Men of God have become more interested in the solutions of the people than their salvation. What is solution when it will take you to hell? How do we win souls? The best way to find the answer to this question is to study the way in which the Lord Jesus sought and dealt with those he won to himself during his earthly ministry. So number one, I'll give you five points here. Number one, by total dependence on God, we cannot do this work on our own strength. Total dependence. Tell, tell somebody total dependence. What does it mean to be totally dependent on God? Trust him. Before you step out, talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. Last time I was doing evangelism with um, my secretary, Juliet and Pastor Yvonne. And when we finished, they were telling me that, ah, Papa, this is not fair. Because I just finished witnessing to the Christ, uh, Christ to the guys, and I was prophesying to them. I was prophesying to them. And, and the boys became calm, like ice water. Very calm. Depend on God. It is not the words of wisdom you are going to speak. It is not the fear you are going to put into them. It is God. Paul said, I have planted, Apollos have watered. The increase is of the Lord. By total dependence on God, we cannot do this work in our own strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 5 to 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Depend on God. Don't just pick your Bible and say, I'm going out. Before you go, spend some 10 minutes and talk to God. Say, Father, I'm trusting you. Let the soul cross my path. Or anybody I meet, grant me favor to win that person for you. Number two, be a deliberate cooperation, by a deliberate cooperation with the Holy Spirit. A deliberate what? Cooperate with him. Those boys, how I got that prophetic word was not because I'm a prophet. It was because when I was witnessing to them, I was listening to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost said, tell them that their lives are empty because they are chasing the wrong things. And when I said it, come and see how they were sweating. Sweating like that. And they gave their lives to Christ. By a deliberate cooperation 
with the Holy Spirit. Zachariah 4 6, we won't read. You know what is there. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Number three, by a deep sense of agency, child of God, we must say this so winning as urgent because there is no time. People are dying every moment. What if they don't receive Christ before they die? By deep sense of agency. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. We are not reading, please. Luke 19 verse 10. Ephesians 2 verse 1. When you go home, go and read. This is how you grow. By a deep sense of agency. You must have a sense of agency. Can I postpone this anymore? Child of God, listen. What I'm saying simply means anytime we procrastinate on why we are not winning a soul, we are putting people's lives in danger. Isn't that fearful? We are putting people's lives in what? Anytime we procrastinate or give excuses, anytime we relax, or give excuses why we are not winning souls. We are endangering people's lives. And that is why God will judge you. That is why God will hold you responsible. And the scriptures are 2 Corinthians 5.15 2 Peter 3 verse 9 and Luke 19 verse 10 and then Ephesians 2 verse 1. Number 4. By a compassion that moves us. Say compassion. You must have compassion. You must look at people. Like I said, it doesn't matter how successful they are. If they don't have Christ, they are going to hell straight. Don't pity only the poor. We read in the book of Luke about a rich man who died Though on earth he was a very rich man, but he didn't have Christ. The Bible says he died and he went straight to hell. And whilst in hell, he lifted his head and saw Lazarus who was a poor man on earth, but had Jesus, had God. And he said, oh God, can you let Lazarus, my servant on earth, dip his hand into water and put it on my tongue? God said, no. Unfortunately, sometimes that scripture is misquoted to mean that when you are poor, you go to hell. Hey, when you are poor and you don't have Jesus, you go to hell. <laughs> and when you are rich and you have Jesus, you go to heaven. That's why people in Africa, when we also embrace all this stupidity by the Europeans and Americans, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. <laughs> Oh, what am I saying? What I'm saying is that it is unwise for an African to go to hell because we are suffering too much. Then you go to hell again. 
by a compassion that moves us. We must be compassionate. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. Luke 19, 41 and 42. Jude 1, 22 to 23. That one I want us to read it. Jude. The last but one book of the Bible. Jude 1. We can go to hell. Especially people in Akosomo. And I'm not making fun of you. Look at the kind of rooms we are sleeping in. No ceiling. Open what? <laughs> and that one cannot even be compared to hell. Look, for a man who is dead to say he is thirsty should tell you there is life after death. Don't joke with this thing so. It is real. He was dead, but he said, I am thirsty. To the point that all he needed was just a drop from a finger. And quite Go and change the destinations of people. He said, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. My brothers and sisters. That's why we can't go and come and say, Pastor, my souls, they dodge me. Be compassionate. Today I called one of my souls. After Sunday, he has not come again. And I said, do you think you are doing me a favor? He said, oh, daddy. And yes, I said, don't daddy me. And yes, I said, saying. Do you think you are doing me a favor? Once the sound superman will be who be called hell straight. That me or so many say me be doing tema me I'm say better. Hallelujah. He said, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. And talk to them as if they are doing you a favor by giving their lives to Christ. What do you mean? Like sisters, any man who lets you, who makes you feel that marrying, because they want to marry you, they are doing you a favor, sack them. What do you mean? Me and you, are we not all hustlers? And some of you men too. Any sister who makes you feel like who are you? Who you be? The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 3. It said do not have an exaggerated opinion of yourself. You are not what you think you are. My friend, Melo. Am I teaching tonight? Compassion. Have compassion. Compassion is what puts you on the street and tells you you are not going home without winning a soul. It is not a challenge. It is because you understand that their destinations must change. Number five. I, I said this. I said, oh, how we lack the real compassion for the souls of unsaved men. We lack it. That's why you take every term, every excuse they give. 
go, I will come. I love something, Eben and Ezekiel were putting on the page. So I go and iron for them. Even that one, they can dodge you. I remember somebody I was following up in this town. The father slapped me. Why do I chase a daughter like that? I said, sir, and yeah, sorry. Today she's married to a pastor in the US. And she's always thanking me. Because they are doing well. Very well. And I planted that seed. When I see her on Facebook, I'm happy. I'm just excited. It doesn't add money, but it adds to my reward in heaven. Hallelujah. Number five, by being earnest, zealous, and passionate, but with very great care and tact. You need wisdom. You need tact. We need wisdom to be effective as soul winners. James 1 verse 5. Proverbs 11.30 He that wins souls is wise. Next week, we will look at two other things. Next week, Wednesday and Friday, we'll look at when are we to seek souls? When are we to win souls? And then we'll look at where are we to win souls? So I know your response is everywhere. But like I said, this thing has become so technical that we can't just set out doing trial and error. We must be apt with our strategy. The fifth, oh sorry, the fifth point on how to win souls is by being earnest, zealous, and passionate, but with very great care and tact. Shall we rise on our feet? <laughs>